0: On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we are trying to make our relationship work with the alien parasite that has made a home in our bodies. That's right. We saw venom. Let there be carnage. Get your popcorn ready. Before you came along, I had a life. I had a fiance. I had dreams. It would be nice just to have your support just for once. Catch up. Excuse me. Yummy.
1: I am a predator. We should be out there snacking on bad guys.
0: Whoa, where are you going? That is a red one. I am starving. So eat those guys. I can't, Sonny and Cher are best friends. (laughs) Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, The Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? I'm
1: doing great. You great? Know, I, I feel like. Man, I feel like it's it's fall. We're, we're starting to, to get cooler weather, so I'm yeah. enjoying that. We got a crazy rainstorm today. and Beautiful. We, uh, I, I look in the 10-day forecast, and I see 70s on its way, which is, which is amazing.
0: For Arizona, that's a big deal. For those who forget, we come from Arizona, which we're, the land of 70 is not. Wow. One week, we got 72 on the books. That's right. Wow. Kicking off
1: like a good run of movies that I'm excited about. We had carnage this week. Boy, we've got bond coming up. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting times. Yeah, we we, we made it. We made it through the, the doldrums of fall,
0: the, the Earl, like the late summer, the late summer doldrums are always the worst. We talked about it in our last episode. We skipped a week for basically two reasons. Number one, Honest, if I can be honest, there wasn't any movies that really excited us. Number two, we we went to our first conference in Palm Springs uh, for our real big person work job. You know, we were vaccinated. We were masked up. uh, They took a ton of uh, safety precautions and whatnot, and it was exhausting. But we dragged ourselves once we got back to see the what is now the largest pandemic opening movie. And that is the sequel to 2018's smash hit, Tom Hardy, in the, in, 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 I can't even really call it a spider, you know, the Spider-Man universe, but in Venom. And before we talk about Let There Be Carnage, David, I kind of wanted to do a little refresher about Venom from 2018. Again, this was, it feels a lot longer than it was. Like, it, it, it's, it's 2021 because- that's because there was a pandemic in between them. I mean, yes, there there was a pandemic. We were actually supposed to get this last year. They they really pushed "Let There Be Carnage" through very quickly, which I think is evident in the film. Um, but then they got stuck waiting on it. They got stuck sitting on it during you know due to a pandemic. Um, but you can actually look up our reactions to the original Venom movie, episode sixty one. So literally, what is that? 92 episodes ago. So I think we're at one. I think this is 153. Um, This was back when I was still writing reviews. So the review is still on. uh, I think it's on my medium or or on the website somewhere. I'm not sure if we got the website yet or not. But we were we were honestly we were kind of still getting started, getting our getting our feet wet and whatnot what do you remember about liking it or what not liking it, but what do you remember about it? What do you, what do you remember of that first movie? You know, no context. I revisited our thoughts, obviously. I don't know if you did.
1: Well, first and foremost, I did enjoy it. So I, I remember liking it. And I think the the biggest things that I remember from it is one, it was bonkers. Yes. So I remember it just being, absolutely ridiculous in a good way i remember by far like my number one takeaway from it was man it's really fun to see an actor be like 100 1000 percent in to a role so like we knew going into it this was a passion project as funny as that sounds maybe to people that a comic book movie at this point in this day and age would be a passion project for an actor, but like it was basically a known story that Tom Hardy was a huge Venom fan. Yep. Pushed hard for Venom to be made, and really probably doesn't get made if not for him being so gung-ho about it. Not not saying it was off the table, especially in the world that we live in with the amount of comic book movies we have, but he was a big proponent of it. And so I remember that truly coming out in the film, it being way funnier than I expected. Yep. Like I didn't have a whole lot of history with Venom still don't outside of these movies. I remember them a little bit in the Spider-Man comic book uh, or the Spider-Man animated series that used to air on Saturdays. Sure. I remember seeing him on there a little bit, but don't know like the lore and the background and all that kind of stuff. And And so I don't I don't know whether in comic books or anything else, whether there's the kind of comedic back and forth between Brock and and Venom. But I remember really enjoying that aspect, loving the physicality of Tom Hardy in it and basically all of that making up for, you know, it being a story that's not, you know, something that we haven't seen before right a story that had plenty of maybe holes or things that weren't explained enough but it was all made up for in just tom hardy and the love that he showed for that role and how it came
0: out yeah it's um i mean the to 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 put it mildly we both agreed that the movie is not very good but we were both fairly surprised at how won over we were by Tom Hardy being as committed as he was, we were surprised at at the silliness of it. Um, the The relationship between Venom and Eddie was very endearing. It was one of those movies that, like, again, is very clearly not good, but you couldn't help but be entertained by it. You know, it it was full of quality. Performers. I mean, obviously you got Tom Hardy, who's one of the more weird and interesting actors of our time. You got multiple award nominee, Michelle Williams. You got multiple award nominee, Riz Ahmed. You know, you have uh, it, it is pretty weirdly impressive. You know, um, got 30 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It was uh, an hour and 52 minutes. It clocked in at 112 minutes. I feel like that'll be important. But again, like, I think one of the biggest takeaways of the original Venom was that it felt like an old school superhero for both better and worse. Like, it felt like a superhero movie that was made in, like, 2003. It felt like it belonged right there next to Daredevil and Ghost Rider and some of those, which, again, like Daredevil, comparatively speaking to maybe the the level of superhero films that we're getting right now, maybe not great. I still like Daredevil. I still ride with Daredevil. Ben Affleck obviously. I still ride with uh particularly the extended cut of Daredevil which is very good. Colin Farrell, you want to talk about the original going for it as a as a, as a villain. Colin Farrell is Bullseye. My guy. Um but it it felt like a throwback because even 10 years after the MCU had been established like it, it 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 was doing things that just were I don't know, I don't know what you want to call it, short-sighted or whatever. But I ended the 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 popcorn ratings. It's so funny going back and listening to the the sixty first episode. We were not refined. We were still calling it like four popcorns. We didn't have any sound effects, we didn't have anything. It was it's very very old school going back and listening to it. But I said I'm in for more Venom like when if they do more Venom, I'll be there. Tom Hardy was weird enough to do it. And so, David, I think that's probably a good opportunity for us to talk about Venom. Let there be carnage mm. and, and will because there's not I mean, there's not much to it. You know, like you said, you know, Venom, Venom was created kind of in these. You know, the mid 80s, I, I was never a big comic book guy and some of the, you know, Todd McFarlane, it just seemed like the 80s and the early 90s went through this phase of, like, everybody had giant teeth and was, like, really gross and slimy and had, like, a bunch of, like, pockets and pouches on their uniforms and, and stuff like that, and everybody was super-duper jacked. I don't know. I'm no comic book historian. I don't know that that was the winningest time out there for comic books. You're not that big. um, You were never like a comic book reader, right? No, not a whole lot. For all the for all the damn talking we do about comic book movies, we were never readers of it. But now we're back. We're back here. We're back with non-spoiler thoughts for Venom. Let there be carnage. And I think I think I want to both lead with this. And then I want to both end with it because this is a podcast that you and I started to celebrate movies. This is a podcast that specifically our mission statement is to point out the great things about movies. And one of the things that we have always uh, uh, fought against is the, the kind of joy that film Twitter and the, the, the film community online gets in like reveling in a real piece of garbage, you know, in like something that is just like almost disastrously bad. You know, I don't really like to partake in that. So I like to lead off this conversation by saying everything we said about Tom Hardy in the original. I would also apply here. This dude is 100 percent committed to what he's doing. The fact that this movie is for all intents and purposes a continuation and a passion project of Tom Hardy is wild to me, and I. But I can't help but respect it, as you said. It's very clear Tom Hardy loves Venom and loves playing Venom, and loves exploring the dynamic of what this of what this is. I mean, he's also voicing Venom too, and. He's incredible in this. He's incredible in this. He even got a story credit in this. How did you like Tom Hardy in this movie? I enjoyed him. I, I think all the things
1: that in the first one applied to the second one. Um, You know, there was a lot of a lot of back and forth with him and Venom. I think probably even more than the first movie. It It felt like there was a lot of arguing back and forth, but. I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like it maybe wasn't as physical. Like there's not a scene like the lobster scene in the first one that like stands out about like just him completely going for it. Right. But at the same time, like it felt in step with the first one, as far as like how he portrayed it, how he portrayed having him, you know, having venom venom inside of him, all that kind of stuff. And so um, I don't think it was like a lesser performance than the first one I think it just wasn't maybe as memorable as well as I think you know this movie suffers from what every second movie suffers from is like when you go into the first one like there's a there's a sense of newness and I don't know what's going to happen and it's unexpectedness and then when you come into the sequel you've already seen the kind of back and forth with Venom you you know what to expect there and so you're looking for for something new we've already seen tom hardy portraying this so like we're looking for something new so i thought he was just as good as far as his portrayal of eddie brock but um, but yeah i think for me it just maybe didn't have any of those like defining moments like maybe the first one did
0: yeah i mean i would say and again this is non-spoilers so we're not going to get super into it but i would say that like you know obviously the two sequences that jump out are really the isolated apartment sequences where it's just him and Venom playing off of each other. And you get that really, you get what they're going for. You know, a lot of people have talked about how they admire this movie because it resembles a romantic comedy or a buddy cop movie or an odd couple type movie or whatever. And they're not wrong. It definitely resembles all of those things. I don't think that there's anything quite like, what he did in the first movie as well. I think the lobster scene in the first movie, I mean, legitimately might be, like, one of the best, like, comic book movie, just single single scenes, <laughs> just the pure entertainment value. Um, the fact that, like, again, the fact that he's got a story credit in this movie and whatnot is really entertaining. But, David, for me, the rest of this movie, I... I have heard a lot of people make a lot of excuses. I've heard a lot of people say that this movie is better. It's got a better Rotten Tomatoes score. I think it's at like 58% or 59%. Not that Rotten Tomatoes is ever the barometer to be judged upon, but I just don't, I don't get it. I, I don't see it. I think that there are a lot of small individual pieces that may work, you know, to, to various degrees, But as a whole, like it just didn't work for me. Like the plot, the plot just seemed like it jumped around. It seemed like it didn't have any sense of time or passage of time. You know, Eddie Brock goes from I mean, at the end of the first movie, he seemed to be back on his way up in this movie. He starts on his he starts down on his luck again. Apparently, he becomes more successful, but he's still like hated by the cops. I just I there's so many things that plot wise I had an absolute struggle with. So maybe you can help me walk. Maybe you can. Well, again, th- we, we're, we're not doing spoilers here, but 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 did you have the same struggles with me? Because I, I I had such a hard time just emotionally attaching to anything.
1: Well, I think a couple things. I think this movie starts pretty darn close to the end of the last movie. Um, I don't think it, a lot of time has passed in between them from that standpoint. Sure. And then I also would say this movie's 90 minutes, right? So this 90, isn't a long five Like 95
0: film. with credits? Yeah,
1: it's like 95, 96. The first one was 112, so almost two hours. To me, this movie... I don't think actually like I disagree slightly that the plot was wrong. I think the plot just didn't get enough time. Like we didn't get enough for the whole plot. Like I think the concept of this movie was great and I've yeah. got no problem with it. And I like carnage as a character, like carnage as a, as a villain, but packing even though he's not, 90, a, even
0: though he's not a villain in, in these movies,
1: packing it into 90 minutes, was a little tough because we had to intro this character, who's a iconic character from the comics. Yep. That we also introduced a secondary villain in this in Shriek, and that's a not Shriek. really a, a big spoiler from that standpoint.
0: No, she's in the. Trailer. And
1: we had to continue kind of the relationship between Eddie and Venom, as well as Eddie and Michelle Williams' character. And so there's just a lot to pack into 90 minutes, especially when you're a comic book movie and you have to have, you know, a big fight scene that takes up, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. So, you know, you're not left with a whole lot of time to develop things in an hour and 10 minutes. And so to me, this was more something that suffered like weirdly enough. We talk about all the times, we've talked about it multiple times with movies recently about how we're like, this movie could have been a tight 90 minutes instead of two hours. This is a movie where I would have been perfectly fine with them going up to like an hour 50, an hour 55, adding another 20, 25 minutes to this movie. Yes. If we could further flesh out some of these characters that we meet and some of these storylines that we meet. Instead, it felt really rushed. Again, I have no problem with where we started and where we ended in this. It's just... We went really quickly to there and I would have liked to to develop it a little bit more, spend a little bit more time with some of these characters and get to know them a little bit more. And I think it would have worked a whole lot better then.
0: And I guess and I guess that's the thing, right? I guess that's the thing I'm struggling with is because for a lot of people, that's good enough. Right. For a lot of people, this was a cheeseburger and fries that they got at McDonald's at lunch. And and they're perfectly happy with that. Right. Not every movie has to be Avengers Endgame. Not every movie should be Avengers Endgame. Not every movie can be the Dark Knight. Not every comic book movie can be that. Right. And 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 it should be that way. There should be variety. There should be the smaller movies and there should be the movies that don't, you know, you know, uh, have the weight of the world on us and, and things like that. And And in in that respect, like, I do appreciate it. Like, I think I agree with you in that, like, I have zero issues with this being a smaller movie. I have zero issues, relatively speaking, uh, stakes wise, I guess. I have zero issues with this being a shorter movie. I have zero issues with the story that they very clearly wanted to tell, right? From point A to point Z, I get it. It's just that, as you said, everything in between is just so difficult in terms of trying to make sense and trying to be like, wait, what? Wait, how did, wait, what? Okay, uh, we're already past it, fuck it. You know, like that kind of thing. Um, even even from the end stinger of the first Venom movie, right? At the end stinger of the first Venom movie, Eddie Brock meets Cletus Cassidy, played by Woody Harrelson, and is like he only wants to talk to you. Don't know why, still never really established why. Um, and the movie ends with him saying, like, it's gonna be carnage, right? Oh, and that's the first Venom movie. This movie starts and it still seems like they've never actually talked. I I I'm I'm still not a hundred percent sure if like anything came of that first meeting. Or or what or like where that first meeting falls and what happens here. Now again, we're only talking about like the first five minutes of a movie here. You can go online and watch the first five minutes of the movie, but like it's little things like that, little logic, like leaps in things like character motivation that don't make any sense or aren't fully explained in things like, um. I mean, character motivation is just a big part of it. I, there's a big. A, a big part of me is watching a lot of this movie and just asking, like, but why? You know, I hate this guy. I want him dead. But, but why? You know, well, he's a serial killer he's, or he's the bad guy. Well, you know, with Thanos and Ultron and, you know, a, a variety of interesting, well layered, you know, villains that we've gotten. The explanation of like, he's crazy. He's the bad guy, I guess, is fine for some people because all they want to do is see carnage. And we get carnage in this movie, David. How did you like for a movie with the subtitle Let There Be Carnage? How did you like carnage in this movie? Woody Harrelson, obviously. But I think I would consider both of us big fans of Woody Harrelson. Yeah, I don't know. I still don't know if he was in, in, p- particularly right for this role. Listen, my biggest issue with
1: Eddie Harrells or uh, Woody Harrelson, (laughs) I'm getting Eddie's name in there with Woody Harrelson in this film is that they had two chances at wigs for him and both of them sucked. Big swings,
0: big misses,
1: big swings and misses. Both of them annoyed me almost to a level of like distracting level. That was probably my biggest complaint about Woody Harrelson's character in this film is every time I saw him, I just hated his hair. Completely. And it wasn't like there was, it was just, it was just weird. I, I would have preferred just let's go bald Eddie. Let's go bald uh, Woody Harrelson here. Um, I would have been fine. He's in prison. I know he, he has red hair. I know it ties into the whole carnage thing, but yes. I would have been fine with just, let's just make him bald, you know, yes. from that standpoint. But regardless uh, I think the, the CGI and the look of carnage, the actual character was fantastic. Thought it looked looked great, you know, fit yeah. fit well, you know, as a, as a gross. counterpoint to to Venom. Yeah, yeah. It had the right amount of grossness to him. I thought the action uh, was solid with him. You know, the, the funny thing is, is right. Like, this is the hard part with Venom as a, as a character, and and the Venom storyline as a whole is like these these guys are pretty uh, pretty brutal, you know, Venom. Bites people's heads off, you know, and Carnage is the same in a a lot of ways. And it's like to pack that into a PG-13 movie, like you just kind of like have to off screen a lot of stuff, like show the lead up, but none of the actual execution of it. And I think that's the hard part a little bit to there. I thought they did a good job, you know, when when we first get introduced and kind of see Carnage. It's just. For such a big character, and and for it it goes really quick, and I think that that just it's going to be a recurring theme of my nitpicks on this movie. Yes, is just we speed through it. Like I could have used more exploring exploring who Carnage is and and what his character can do and what his abilities are that are different than Venom's, and like it would have been interesting to have seen that but we kind of go at a fast pace and we kind of catch that along the way. Right. We don't really get to like sit and enjoy it. It's all like looking at things from a speeding car down the freeway type of thing.
0: Yeah. And, and this is also like, this is also a moment where, and again, I mean, it's weird. Cause like, these comic book movies are supposed to be for kids. Like comic books are supposed to be for kids and superheroes are supposed to be for kids, but adults have taken this weird like level of ownership. So now things have to be dark and gritty. And, you know, we got to have, you know, literally, I didn't think we could get any darker with Batman. It's seemingly the next Batman is going to be incredibly dark. Carnage is in his origin an incredibly violent character, you know, they they I I just Googled really quickly. Like, what are the most violent things Carnage has ever done in in the comic books? And he has, you know, infects a small rural town, slaughters a diner full of people. And like these are not like like G-rated comic book panels, you know. And so I do think that. The true carnage of carnage is a little bit neutered by PG-13, which isn't to say that this movie isn't incredibly violent. It is. But like for most of the time, carnage is just like throwing people into walls, mm-hmm. you know? And in reality, like carnage would be like r- ripping out spines and chopping people down and stuff like that. But I, I, Loved the look of Carnage. I thought it was appropriately gross. It reminded me a little bit of like the thing. It reminded me a little bit of Slither and the, and the gross bug mutation makeup effects in Slither thought the way that Woody Harrelson transformed into Venom, uh, I'm sorry, Carnage uh, was pretty cool. Um, Would have liked to have seen more Carnage versus Venom uh, weirdly. Uh, but, but yeah, like, and again, I, I think we go back and we say that the best thing about this movie still is Tom Hardy and, and doing his Eddie Brock and interacting with himself and Venom, which is like, I got to support it. I got to support that, that. Tom Hardy's out here doing this weird stuff. You know what I mean? How how can I not support that?
1: Yeah, I think I, I I would agree. I mean, it's definitely still the best part. That dynamic is still the best part. And I think what I'm interested to see and, and we'll, we should probably do our popcorn rating so we can start talking spoilers, but I'm yes. interested to see kind of where we go next, because I think there's some dynamics of, the Venom character, the Vetty, the Venom, Eddie Brock dynamic that would fit fit really well into being supporting character. Like I think yeah it could be a lot of fun as a supporting character. And you know, I think there's there's some opportunities that we can uh we can uh talk about and, and potentially uh think what how this might the future of this might go, but um, definitely want to save that for spoilers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, before we talk about that, we got to do the popcorn ratings. What's that noise? Popcorn. you making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the movies. Now, if you've never listened to an episode of the podcast before, welcome. Thank you for listening. Sorry, this is the first episode. Go back and listen to some of the other ones. We're way more excited about the movies. Um, But we (laughs) we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of thumbs up or stars, we have a popcorn scale. Burnt popcorn means a movie is trash. Don't waste your time. Not even if it's for free. It's not worth it. Stale popcorn means like if you are absolutely desperate and you have no other options, Go for it, but it's not going to be satisfying. Microwave popcorn is just like microwave popcorn. Your mileage may vary. Some people really like microwave popcorn. Some people really hate microwave popcorn. It's fine. It's in the middle. Movie theater popcorn means you should probably go see this movie in the movie theater. As long as you can do it safely, go check it out. Schedule some time. Maybe not right now, but eventually go check it out on a big screen when you can. And then perfect popcorn means go out and see this movie as soon as possible on the biggest screen possible. And if we are ever in the middle of any of our popcorn uh, ratings, we throw a soda in there just to, just to put a middle point between them. So David, I am interested into what your popcorn rating is for venom. Let there be carnage.
1: Yeah. And I, I mulled over this a little bit and you know, maybe on a repeat viewing it, it may change, but I think I'm going to go with with micro a solid microphone microwave popcorn. Okay. So right in the middle there, I think to me it's it if I if I leaned a direction, I would I would go up from there. I don't think I'd go any lower from there. But I think for me it's it's one of those movies that I enjoyed myself in the theater. I enjoyed myself watching it. I definitely walked away thinking about some of the ways that it could have been better but it left me still excited about you know where they'll take the character next and enjoying the character itself i also think this movie you know is like a lot of second movies and you go through lots of franchises and sometimes that second movie is really a struggle uh, as far as it feels like a letdown from the first one to some degree because again you're familiar with the character now like I enjoyed the first Thor more than I enjoyed Thor, the dark world. And some of that was because Thor for some of its issues was still new. We were still meeting this new character. It was fun to kind of explore this world that Thor lives in the second one. We had already done that. So you don't get that as an enjoyment factor as much anymore because we've already been introduced and we know who this character is. And I think this venom movie was similar in that way. Like, Had this been the first movie for Venom, maybe we are a little bit more forgiving because we're enjoying getting to see this this relationship and this character for the first time. Um, But again, I think 20 minutes longer, it could have been, you know, right up there for for movie theater popcorn for me. But I I think it settles into a, a good microwave popcorn rating for me.
0: So that makes a lot of sense. I appreciate your review. I'm interested to see where Venom goes to. I would also like to say, like, I will see more Venom. I will watch more Venom. But it, what, what he does is too interesting. But I'm giving this a stale popcorn. Ouch. Uh, it's, I can't believe I'm as low as I am. I can't believe I'm lower than you hardly which rarely happens um it just it just the, the things that didn't work didn't work so much for me and like i get it like i said i get that some people are just happy to have a 90 minute loud action movie with venom and carnage doing their thing and i get that people find that entertaining i found it entertaining but as we'll get into in the spoiler conversation there is so much that just did not work for me in this movie that it's going to be stale popcorn for me. I say that. I say that fully understanding that like it's kind of the picture definition of microwave popcorn, right? Your mileage may vary. Like you're not wrong, but, um, it's going to be stale popcorn for me. Your mileage varied. Your mileage may vary. Um, all of that being said, We got to talk some spoilers, I feel. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet, of course. We don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles and more on our website, PopcornDietPodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, we're back. We're talking spoilers. Now, do we want to bury the lead? Do we just want to go crazy and uh, and just start? With the biggest question, or do we want to save it? I'm gonna let you make the call live. I
1: think we got to save it. I think I think I want to. I want to. I want to go therapy session here and and further expand on why you why you're so hard on this movie,
0: man. And again, like okay, let's let's just again, let's air your grievances. It goes back to the very beginning of the movie where they're like, we we see. Obviously, like the, the the part that introduces like young Cletus and young Shriek, I'm fine with fine with all that. All that prologue works fine. We got to establish the characters. I I would have maybe recommended doing a prologue with actual young Cletus, even though we do get it in kind of an anime, a kind of a, a fully you know creative kind of animated sequence mid movie. But again, this movie opens with, like, the cops calling Brock and being like, you got to talk to Cassidy. He's only going to talk to you. And then Brock going in and being just, like, really, like, as if, like, he's, like, this is a, this is a chore for him, you know? Like, this is, I don't want to be doing this. This is a pain in the butt for me. And Cletus is like, I'm going to give you my entire life story. I'm going to tell you everything. But you got to publish this little poem first, which all he does is speak in freaking poems the entire movie that don't make any sense. And Venom stops and says, Look at his cell. Venom, like, has a picture perfect memory of the cell, which I thought was cool. Thought it was cool how Venom actually made him a better reporter, a better detective, help him write down stuff. Vis a vis, they discover where the bodies are buried. All right, which pisses Cletus Cassidy off which doesn't make any sense because Cletus was going to tell him his life story. He's going to tell him that anyway. Like that was the crux of him giving the interview is like, I'm going to make you famous. So, So I don't know why, why Cletus is super mad. The discovery of the bodies leads to them being like, Oh, we're going to implement the death penalty, which I don't think is how the legal system works. Like I don't think that's how convictions work. I could be wrong. Um, but like it seems to me that if like you're convicted of a crime and the death penalty is not on the table, then when you the bodies are found and, and the evidence is found to, to to corroborate that conviction, I don't think they're like, oh, we'll make the punishment worse. I don't think that's how that works. All of that is just so confusing. Like all of that is just so confusing. I'm I'm so confused as to why Cletus hates Eddie so much. Like, I get, like, oh, I'm getting the death penalty now because of you. I I just don't... It just doesn't make any sense. Like, you're a serial killer, man. Um, The the fact that then Carnage is now, like, I need to kill Venom. I'm just like, why? Like, because you're a bad guy. I get it. But why? You know? It, it just... For, for what? I'm so super confused by that. I don't know, man. It just is... I was just frustrated. I was frustrated that the idea, like literally reading off of reading. I know I'm just ranting right now and you're just like nodding your head like a therapist, but like reading off these ideas, like a miniature Carnage army uh, wreaks bloody havoc. Carnage goes on a homicidal rampage to attract Spider-Man and Venom. Carnage, where is he? Thinks nothing about gruesome homicide all day. Uh, Kills an entire diner full of people. I don't feel... That we really explored what I thought is an interesting idea, which is a, a serial killer gets superpowers. He kills people, sure, but sillier, serial killers have modem, motives, serial killers have these innate desires. And none of that is explored. Right. They even say it like, oh, the world loves serial killers, like making a murder is super popular. All of these real crime things are super popular. They're super popular because they delve into the psychological, psychological and emotional aspects of what drives people to do these things. None of that is explored in Cletus Cassidy, And I just feel like it's a, miss, a real missed opportunity. Please give me a retort because I, right. could, I could go on forever.
1: I, I took notes, you know, similar to a debate of points I wanted to touch on out of it, but I get it. I get it. And and listen, I think I'll reiterate it. I'll say for the last time, but probably not for the last time that <laughs> this movie needed and needed more time. I, I wish you had more time.
0: I wish you but had more time.
1: First off, I think I'm just going to knock these in order of, of how I, I heard them, but. The Cletus anger towards Eddie. So Eddie's Eddie's kind of demeanor in that is the idea that like, I got a psycho who the last time I visited him told me that he was going to rain carnage. Like there was going to be carnage and it wasn't a very productive meeting last time I saw him. So like, what am I going to do here? Like the cops want me to do it. I don't want to do it, but the cops want me to do it. So I'm going to do my service. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to listen to him. Right. And and so I think that's his thing. I think the reason Cletus gets upset is because what do they say about serial killers? Typically, one of the biggest things that serial killers are about, it's they're about control. Like that's one of the things they feed off of is the concept of control. And so I think for Cletus, when we meet him in the beginning of the story, he feels like he's in control, like he feels like he's the puppeteer. He's manipulating this. He's going to get Eddie Brock to come in here. He's going to send a certain message. He still fully believes I'm getting out. I'm going to go rescue my love and I'm going to ride off into the sunset and probably kill more people. But regardless, he feels like he's in control. He's going to, you know, make Eddie go through all these hoops to slowly, you know, release information to manipulate him. Hey, maybe even just, you know, he, sends that, he says at the end of the movie that he just wanted to be Eddie's friend, which that was kind of weird. But regardless, which is also like he again. had this he had this plan set up for how he was going to keep getting Eddie to come back in. When Eddie discovered where the bodies were. He lost that like Eddie had no reason to come back in and meet with him because, one, he was about to get killed. He was about to get the death penalty and two the whole reason Eddie was doing it was to hopefully figure out where the bodies were. So I think that's where you get Cletus's anger is because he lost control of the situation. It's a, it's a serial killer losing control. They love control. He lost control. He was no longer in control of the situation. The situation was taking control of him, which led to the death penalty. And the reason why I could go with the death penalty, they talk about how the death penalty was illegal in California governor decided to switch that off. The reason why I think you could say that he could go from being on death row to getting the death penalty is because chances are typically when you get serial killers, rarely are you able to convict the serial killer for all the murders because typically you need a body to be able to prove the guilt or you need some kind of evidence. And so chances are he was probably in jail for, a fraction of the murders he actually committed. But when they went and found the bodies, all of a sudden you have a whole bunch more murders that you can pin on him, which probably opens up your ability to sentence him again. And if they recently, you know, as an emergency order reinstate the death penalty, then I can go with there. I can track with that. I can, I, you know, again, I would have loved the movie to do some of this work for me and not me, but I can at least understand, understand the logic in it. Yeah. The carnage needing to kill venom thing, you know, the whole like father and wanting to kill him that we are absolutely in the dark. Like <laughs> that was one of the things that I felt like, like I didn't need the as much more explanation of the Cletus, Eddie thing right. it would have been good. Sure. I needed more like understanding of like, he says like oh no it's a red one like let's get out of here like what, what are red mean? ones what right. make red ones unique why is a red one really scary are red ones the most powerful ones even like that would be a great thing when you're doing a franchise to set up like red ones are the most dangerous or maybe the red ones are like just below something else that we haven't even met yet exactly you know so like i would have loved some some history on on uh what this means also like are all what do you call them again? Are they not symbiotes? Parasites? What are they? Symbiotes. Symbiotes. Are all symbiotes that are born out of another symbiote? You know, considered like a familiar relationship in the sense of like whoever they came from is the father? Maybe. I don't know. I, I would assume so. It would make sense. That's how it works with humans, but regardless, yeah. Would have loved to have here. I don't I don't have any defense there. And then yeah the, the last thing that I'll say when you talked about wanting to get more like Cletus and more um, Shriek, you know, more development of that. I thought about this more because I walked away from the movie saying the exact same thing. And I, and I don't change that fact. I, I would probably like that, too. But if this movie was just called Venom 2, maybe I would have a different perspective. But the fact that it was Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It sets you up to believe that this movie is, in a large part, all about carnage, you right. know, or or the the main story is about carnage. When really, I think the main story of this movie is actually the the Eddie Venom relationship and it's how it's continuing to evolve, how their characters are continuing to evolve, how Eddie progresses through the movie to being okay with, uh, gosh, Michelle Williams' character and Dan getting married and kind of exiting out of that situation and letting go of that situation because in the beginning, he's still not okay with it. Venom's not okay with it. (laughs) You know, all the fun that we get and some of the jokes that we get about Dan, that kind of stuff. Good stuff. Funny stuff. We get the normal, like breakup really this movie, like followed the, the arc of a rom-com in a lot of ways. Very much so. Just a rom-com with like symbiotes and, aliens attacking and murdering people like if we injected that into a rom-com that's basically what we got and so i think if you think of it that way if you think of it this is a venom movie not a carnage movie then like it makes sense what we got out of carnage like is it unsatisfying would you have loved to have seen more of carnage sure but i don't think that's unlike even some marvel movies where like and, and maybe some of the Marvel movies that we, we didn't like as much, but there's Marvel movies where there's a big bad in it, but it's really secondary to what the main character is going through. Sure. Versus necessarily building up this big bad and telling their story. We just They're more like a, a piece that helps develop our character on the path that they're going on than necessarily like we're building up this big showdown between two characters.
0: Absolutely. It's like when Thor fights the Destroyer. You know, like the destroyer is just a robot thing. Like, it's not like the big villain of the piece, you know, yeah. um, and and I think. I think ultimately, like, again, there's some really funny parts in this movie. I like when Venom and, and Eddie fight in the uh, in the apartment and Eddie's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Or Venom's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I broke your nose. Let me fix it so I can break it again. Like that, like that type of stuff works really well, and and Tom Hardy's doing like a respectable, committed level of like physical performance there. But again, like the fact that Venom and Carnage don't meet up till the end of the movie, the fact that Venom seemingly kills Carnage like he does, the fact that Cletus Cassidy dies like he does, um. I just never feel like we got that much carnage out of carnage. Like we got him escaping the prison. Okay. Like he commits carnage, but for like a purpose. Right. And then we get him breaking out shriek and, and he's like, okay, he commits carnage, but again, for a purpose, the whole idea of having a serial killer infested with the worst possible version of an alien super symbiote should be terrifying. Like, There is no there's no havoc on the streets. There's none of that. It's literally just like I want to get my girl. I want to get married and we're going to grab the only three people that we don't like and we're going to kill them. And like, granted, that could lead to them like wreaking havoc in other places as well. But like, I just don't feel like we got a a lot of carnage.
1: I know the problem. I know the problem. You know, it was set in San Francisco you were really hoping for like Zodiac meets Marvel. Like you wanted, (laughs) you wanted Jake Gyllenhaal to come back, play, play Cletus. You wanted it to be super dark serial killer. You know, let's go Zodiac, full Zodiac on this and just inject venom and symbiotes into it.
0: There's just a lot of missed potential. There is. And, uh, And, and,
1: and I don't, I don't disagree with that. I think for, for us, we, we, we handled the disappointment differently, right? Yes. Like you couldn't get over the disappointment and necessarily enjoy the movie to its fullest. For me, yes, I recognize that this was the second bonkers Venom movie that we were getting. I didn't expect greatness from it. It's not necessarily making excuses. It's one of the things that made me enjoy the first Venom movie so much. right is that I had very low expectations. Like I went into it thinking (laughs) this looks ridiculous. I don't know how this is going to work, but one, we're doing a podcast on it. And two, like I love movies, so I'm going to see it. And it exceeded my expectations. Still had plenty of plot holes, just like this one, but I was here for it. And I think I came in, with just as low maybe slightly higher expectations of this movie as i did the first one and it didn't didn't exceed them and i wouldn't say it necessarily went under them either it kind of was a okay marvel movie that had some fun stuff with tom hardy going all out and and being venom
0: yeah it's uh Again, I'll watch more, and I think that leads to the last point, which is I believe Venom is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Yeah, he is. For all intents and purposes, what we have seen, the end credit sequence has Venom, Venom's universe changing around him. He's in one room. Suddenly he's in a different location. He's like, what the hell? Where am I? And who is it? It's our boy J.K. Simmons playing J. Jonah Jameson announcing that Tom Holland's Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Now, I will say this, David. The footage on that television clip is different than the footage in Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm -hmm. The footage in the television clip is actually an unmasked Peter Parker looking around in live action, like, like a video clip. And in... Uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, it is just like a picture. Sure. So, that's interesting. But it looks like Spider-Man is is gonna find is gonna get involved with Venom, in some way, shape, or form. And I guess my question to you is, what do you think this means? Like, do you think we're gonna get Venom in No Way Home? Do you think No Way Home? I I have theories, but like, I'd love to hear your theories. I'd love to hear what you think we're getting.
1: So number of thoughts on this first and foremost, I think we also need to give the background that there's rumors. Maybe it's, you can confirm whether it's rumors or not, or whether it's actual got facts behind it, but there's rumors that Sony and Disney still don't quite see eye to eye, that there's some potential drama and lest us not forget Sony is still the owner of Spider-Man, not Marvel and Disney. So Spider-Man is only in Disney Marvel stuff when Sony says it's okay. Right. And so we're not guaranteed beyond No Way Home that we'll get another Spider-Man movie that's part of like the true MCU, like the next Spider-Man movie after No Way Home could be still tom holland but a sony only produced movie like we're not right like that's that's in play like it could be peter parker versus eddie brock venom spider-man that we have all grown to expect over the years and it could have absolutely nothing to do with iron man thor and the rest of the gang like right. this could be a s- straight up just mono mono more Venom more Spider-Man stepping into the Venom franchise than Venom stepping into the MCU and the Spider-Man franchise so I think that's where it's really hard to predict where this is going to go to answer your first question I think that you asked which is is he going to be in No Way Home the only way there's two two scenarios I could see him being in one like a a full-on like cameo like easter egg type of thing like you see him indiscreetly somehow being shown there, but not really being a part of the story at all. Okay. Um, Which I think is very unlikely because I think there's going to be too much of that already that that would just be overload because we're already going to be mixing in like 17 different Spider-Mans and that into no way home. So I don't know that they'll add that to it. Also, So what I think is more likely to happen is there could be an end credits uh, that incorporates it in some way. Yeah. I think that's the more likely. If you had to have me rank three scenarios, I would say the most likely is Venom is nowhere in No Way Home. Like there's no no Venom whatsoever in, in the movie. That's my most believable thing. I think this is more of like A bookmark of things to come like we will get venom and tom holland spider-man in a movie in the future it's just not no way home
0: i think you're probably right i think no way home spoilers he's dealing with the sinister six from across multiple dimensions obviously it's going to be doc ock it's going to be willem defoe's green goblin it's going to be electro um I believe the other two, I believe the other three are Sandman Lizard and Paul Giamatti's Rhino. I believe Um, that leaves out the possibility of Mysterio coming back. That leaves, there's no Vulture, even though we've already established that uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture is still lurking around and that would mean no Venom as well. I think you're right in that whatever happens in No Way Home will lead to a Venom Spider-Man showdown. I just have two major questions on that before we wrap up. First question is, do you think that means they have to extract Tom Holland's Spider-Man from the MCU? And like, this is the last one. He's now in a different universe and that's how it ends. There's no doctor strange. There's no Avengers. There's none of that. Number one, that way Sony can play in their own little world and they can have their their Morbius movie and they can have their freaking Craven, the Hunter movie and all that kind of crap. And number two, if there is a Venom Spider-Man movie, Venom isn't a bad guy. He's, he's not, he's had two movies where he's the good guy, where he's an anti-hero, where he's doing good things to, or where he's doing, you know, yes, he's a little violent, but like, He's he's fighting bad guys. And so, like, some people have made the giant stretch that because Jay Jonah Jameson's like Peter Parker, Spider-Man is a killer. Then that means the Venom is going to be like, oh, we got to take this guy out. He's a killer. Even I mean, that's a stretch. But like, what's that dynamic going to be like? Because they're going to have are we going to get like a Godzilla vs Kong scenario? Are we going to get a Batman V Superman scenario? where, like, they spend the whole movie fighting until they have to team up against somebody else who would and should have been Carnage if they wouldn't have burned a 90-minute nothing movie on him? Like, I have those questions. What do you you think is going to happen to him in the MCU? Do you think it's likely we get Tom Holland out of the MCU? This new Spider-Man movie might be one of the biggest damn superhero movies ever made. The trailer broke all of the records.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's let's not forget either. Like the original Spider-Man franchise was Mm -hmm. incredibly successful, like massive, obviously, you know, it's, it's been, you know, overrun by MCU movies that have broken box office records and all that kind of stuff, but for their time. And if you account in inflation and other factors, like Spider-Man was like MCU level comic book success before MCU came around, like, It is in that ballpark from that standpoint. So there are people that ride or die. There's even people that are like, Toby Maguire's my Spider-Man, not Tom Holland. Like, there are plenty of people that are in the ballpark of like or in that mindset of like the original Spider-Man with Toby Maguire is better than what we're getting from Tom Holland. So right. There are people are hugely, you know, engaged in that universe with Doc Ock and and Green Lantern and all that, or not Green Lantern, uh Green Goblin. Goblin and all that. Yeah, yeah. I won't say that I don't think there's a whole lot in the Andrew Garfield camp. Like, I don't know that there's a ton of people arguing for Andrew Garfield
0: is the greatest Spider-Man, but I'm sure there's he was some. he was a good Spider-Man. I would argue
1: I, I didn't I, really know what they were going for, whether he was supposed to be old or young or what he was. He was but too like, sexy,
0: too sexy. He was good. Sexy Spider-Man, too hot.
1: You know, they went with it with Aunt May, you know, or is Aunt May has just been progressively
0: getting hotter and younger. Is
1: is Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man going to have a weird thing with Aunt May from Tom Holland's? I don't know. Anyways, well, now
0: you've crossed into an area of the Internet that we should never go to. (laughs) Never go to that area.
1: The thing that I'm interested in, because we had that whole thing of like we went from the room that we were in to all of a sudden on a beach in that, like, did we change? Did we go through a multiverse thing or did something weird happen there? I didn't really understand what happened in that scene to transport us there. I didn't know if it was just like later down the road, this is where they ended up. Like I didn't understand how we got from point A to point B.
0: That seems to be the case. It just seems like there happens to be some type of multiverse situation that happened. Um, a lot of like, again, I've seen a lot of chit chat on on the Internet where it's like Venom talks about how, you know, their symbiote hive mind has been throughout the multiverse. And it's like, well, he doesn't really say multiverse. You know, he yeah. says like he says like nine billion universes or whatever. Yeah. Um, so so and- then I'm
1: then I'm curious to. Was the world that he just existed in with Carnage. In a different dimension than peter than mcu if it is a different then technically carnage is still on the board i don't think they would do carnage still on the still to come back but yeah technically carnage could be alive in the mcu universe and again this is where like it's hard to predict what's going to happen in this phase of marvel because like literally anything can happen because you can say in this universe This happened. Like, there's literally no bounds that they can do because Marvel's already established that, yes, they're going to stay true to the spirit of a lot of the comics, but they're not going to necessarily tell comic book storylines. Like, they are going to pick from storylines, even like what they did in WandaVision, but they are not necessarily going to follow comic book storylines. So, to say, like, oh, this is all tying into this comic book series. Sure, like there might be a lot of parallels to it, but it doesn't mean they're going to do what is in that. That's sure. why we all sat around waiting for uh whatever the demon dude is in
0: Wandavision, and he never Mephisto. showed up. Mephisto. Mephisto, we're still we're still waiting for Mephisto. We're still waiting for him. The same is true of the Sinister Six. You know, we're not getting uh, we're getting the Sinister Six, but Sony is pulling a DC, and they are actually they're being a little bit smarter than DC but they're not building up a series of like six Spider-Man adventures with different villains. They're instead using the multiverse and pulling those villains out of previous, you know, versions of of the series, which is again, really smart, but it'll be interesting. Suffice it to say for all of my whining, like I can't wait to see what happens between Venom and Spider-Man, like Tom Hardy and Tom Holland in the same movie as Venom versus Spider-Man. Boy, just that sentence right there. Butts, Is, in, butts in the seats, man? I can't remember. Is James Franco dead? In the movies? Yeah. Yeah, he died in Spider-Man 3. Ven- Venom, the Topher Grace Venom, killed him. Ah, that's true. Stabbed him with his glider.
1: Just disappointed we, uh, we, we couldn't get James Franco into this world, too. Well,
0: Franco's, like, canceled right now, so I don't think that yeah, happened. That's true. I don't think that happened either way. I'm just grateful we're going to get some Defoe back. I'm excited about the possibility of some Thomas Hayden Church. Where's that guy been? He's getting to, We're getting Defoe back? I thought Defoe was dead, too. Well, they're, all of them died. Like, Doc Ock died. Defoe died. Um, Lizard didn't die. Sandman didn't die. Rhino didn't die. But, like... Apparently they're going to be pulled out like, like, I don't know. I don't
1: know how they're going to do it. Do you, here's a question for you. Do you think getting into a Disney MCU movie will suddenly make some of these characters that maybe weren't great in their
0: original movie great in this movie? Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because Jamie Foxx, let's, let's say Jamie Foxx, for example, not good, good example, not a great electro. Um, apparently he is, he's getting a full makeover. He's getting a full, like, he's not going to be a blue man group. He's going to be, look like Jamie Foxx, but he's going to have yellow electricity. He's going to just, it's going to be different. Right. I heard mm-hmm. that the green goblin suit is like, nothing needs to change about Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe's green goblin is like chef's kiss. It's very good. Um, can't be a shit, but that movie's can't be a shit. Um, I hear that they're going to incorporate some more purple into his costume. To make it more mm. more like the comic books, um, but those are the only three that are like cl- as close to guaranteed as possible. Sandman, Lizard, and Rhino are all still rumored. People tried to pick apart little parts of the trailer to be like, "Oh, look, there's sand, so it's Sandman," or like, "There's look, there's lightning, so it's got to be Electro." But the, we're st- people are still trying to piece those things together, so it'll be interesting, man. I'm excited. Two two and a half months away, three months away. Are you are you
1: are you ready? I'm pumped. I'm I'm ready for it. I like I said, this is uh this is probably I think I'm more excited about this, as crazy as it may seem. I think I'm more excited about this phase of the Marvel world than even I was back in the day with with the previous phases only because like we knew where we were headed in a lot of ways. And this, like I have absolutely no clue where we're headed. Like every time they come out with something like I'm like, well, this is new. Like this is different. So like, I'm just excited because just like the multi-universe, you know, multiverse, like this is not a straight line that we're headed towards an end destination. So It's, it's just fun to be so, you know, not, not prepared for what we're going into. And, you know, you and I talked about it next year is going to be packed with Marvel movies. Like, because, because of all the delays and things like that and shifting around of release times, like, yep. In the next 12 months, we're getting a crap ton of Marvel stuff and it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting.
0: It's going to be really fun. I'm really excited. We love Marvel. Like you said, we're, gonna, we're getting ready to go on a, a pretty solid run of movies, Marvel or not Marvel. So I'm excited to tackle them with you. I'm excited to talk James Bond in our next episode. So with all of that being said, before we wrap, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet just by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button. Take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write a review, Share us with your other good movie buddies out there. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to Patreon slash The Popcorn Diet and consider supporting an independent podcast about movies when movies need your support. Uh, we, we definitely could use it. Patreon.com slash The Popcorn Diet. Of course, don't forget to follow us on social media on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website popcorndietpodcast.com. but for the canadian machine mr david melhorn i am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet adios